Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Today we're discussing page 35 of Alien Hunger. Today we continue our list of seven must-miss locations in Denver, Colorado. But I think this episode might have a little bit of a different energy from the previous two in this little series, because today we're going to be talking about the United National Bank of Denver, and we're going to be talking about it tomorrow a little as well. The United National Bank of Denver is a wonderfully clear example of the phenomenon in role-playing in which characters in boring stories, in boring locations with nothing to do, experience a kind of sensory deprivation that causes them to fixate on anything that looks like it might have uh, the tiniest bit of the marrow of entertainment in the bones of this narrative bullshit that they can like crack open and suck out. Little details suddenly become hugely important because there's nothing else interesting going on. That's what's going to happen to your player characters. That's what's going to happen to Vampire Drama Club. That's what happened to me, Chris Newton, the host, the real person at the United National Bank of Denver because it is boring, 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 boring. What the fuck? It's a pretty puzzling, dumb thing on this page, but we got a lot of boring bullshit to get through first, so let's get into it. First of all, the United National Bank of Denver. We got some clues leading player characters here, sure. If you investigate the finances of Jacob Prester, aka Louis Pasteur, you'll find out that he banks at the United National Bank of Denver. I mean, how much more obvious can the storyteller make it? It's a real bad clue. It's a clue trail that even the start of it, there's really no reason to follow. Of course, there are other ways say Vampire Drama Club, could find their way to this bank. For example, they might break into the Broad Street for no reason, go rifle through the desk and filing cabinet of a man who currently wants to kill them, but will readily talk to them and make peace if they just ask. Uh, If they break into his office for no reason and go through his things, they'll find that he has written the name of this bank, abbreviated, on a piece of paper. And maybe that will tell them, hey, let's go fucking raid the bank. Or, uh, in the case of the actual uh, narrative that we're building in the podcast, I just had Marcus, the anime guy with psychometry, see a safety deposit key when he did a psychometry reading. Essentially, that is the storyteller just forcibly pushing the hint, like you need to go to the bank, to the player characters, because otherwise they're not fucking going. There's no reason to go to the bank, really. Now, I will say there's a mention in this section that the player characters could learn directly from Edward after they make friends with him that... Jacob Prester had a safety deposit box at the bank. There, there are no dots connected here, really, but I guess you could build into a situation where there's a concern that whatever's in the safety deposit box is a threat to the masquerade, and therefore somebody's got to go get that box before a police investigators or whoever get to it. It's still pretty weak, and it's not at all laid out here, but, but generously, that is a way very roughly sketched here that you could get to this point. But anyway, forget the rationale. The player characters are headed to the United National Bank of Denver. This section offers a lot of different options for how you could fuck around and risk your undead existence for no reason at the bank. For example, you could forge documents and represent yourself as the executors of Prester's estate or police. Yeah, you just faked your own death to get out of a murder charge. Go impersonate police officers at the bank. Now, there's a little NPC introduced here. As the book is describing, the players do this. All of a sudden, here comes Mr. Pilker's Mr. Pilkers works at the bank. If they show up with forgeries, forged police identification, whatever, player characters come, 
with forgeries to get access to the safety deposit box. They're met at the door by Mr. Pilkers, who greets them and then looks at their credentials and accepts them. Uh, He then goes on to say standard safety deposit box rules. You know, you can't take anything out at this time, but you can kind of look at what's in the box. And I do have to be with you while you do that. They can attempt to convince him just, you know, through regular reason, uh, playing on his emotions, just like fast talking him or using dominate or presence Um, could use any of those methods to try to convince him to break the rules, regardless of which way they try. It will be, quote, easy. So there's Mr. Pilkers. Players can do whatever they want, basically, to get the box. But it's possible that the players may not suspect that it would be this easy to get past Mr. Pilkers. So the player characters might decide to rob a fucking bank because they saw the bank's initials written on a piece of paper. We get a lot of rules stuff about the alarm on the front door, various electric eyes and weight sensors, it says, a safe that has to be cracked. Or if you want to do it the easy way, you can go uh, seduce or mind control an employee of the bank to just go open all that shit for you and go get the box. Unless you're really making your own fun with a zany, needlessly challenging heist, all this is dead easy. There's a boring banker who will look over your credentials, but just let you in ultimately. Very easy to fool. There are all kinds of low-level employees at the bank who are easily, again, mind-controlled, seduced, just mundanely convinced who would go get you the safety deposit box. It's not even really hard to sneak into the bank. You know, you can make this an Ocean's Eleven if you want to, if you want to complicate it for yourself. But truly, it, even like robbing this bank is not hard and there's nothing really going on here. In keeping with your lack of motivation for coming here, there's nothing really standing in your way. And then you get the safety deposit box. Inside, there are some legal documents, uh, $20,000. The wooden box of magical blood potions, huge score. But then at the bottom of the safety deposit box is, quote, a copy of Action Comics number one in fine condition. This extremely rare comic book could fetch on the order of $30,000 at an open auction. And then there's also some small boxes of uncut diamonds. But who the fuck cares about that at a time like this? Action Comics number one? How, How did Louis Pasteur get a copy of Action Comics number one? Why did he do it? How did he know to do it? What does it have to do with this story? What the fuck is happening right now? Why did the plot try and fail to send me to the bank so I could open a safety deposit box and find a copy of Action Comics number one? I can't answer that question for you today. What I can tell you is that the dumbest thing in this page is that we are given a copy of Action Comics number one with no explanation and no apparent point. It is a bizarre detail that means nothing and is hidden in a place the PCs have no reason to go. The United National Bank of Denver, number three on our list of must miss locations in Denver, Colorado. But we're not done with that list yet. And in fact, we're not even done with the bank because in addition to diamonds, money, magical potions, and action comics number one, this safety deposit box also contains the journals of Louis Pasteur, which may explain how a certain Kryptonian came to his attention. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time.